that of uh, 10 to 12 cities that God was going to do something miraculous in. And one of those cities was Atlanta. And I believe, and it's not going to happen in just, I want you to hear me. It's not going to happen in just one place in the city. It's going to happen all over for those that believe in the power of God. That move under the unction or under the power, under the umbrella of the Holy Spirit. So understand the prophets have spoken and I know God, he spoke to me back in 1982 what he would do. And yes, we've gone through some difficult times, but how many people know difficulty makes stronger people? Uh, difficulty starts to help me build my faith. Um, when a woman is having a baby, things are very difficult. But in the end of the whole project, there's a baby. Amen. Amen. How many women's have children? You know what I'm talking about. It's not fun and games and running around and happy and running through the tulips. I mean, you, you go through some pain and suffering. Now, I'm not a woman. I don't know, but I've, I've observed it. It's, it doesn't look like it's uh, a fun job. But at the end of that, it's having a baby. Amen. Having a baby. I said a while ago, I believe we're set up for something special in that. Something I was reminded of by Dr. Lynn Hiles. There's always, whenever there's going to be a great move of God or there's going to be miracles, miracles in such a way where we can have testimonies, it's going to come in a time where the swelling of the Jordan. What do you mean by that? I'll mention that in a moment. But at the swelling of the Jordan is when they crossed over to the promised land where God separated the waters. He didn't separate it when it was low tide, when there was hardly any water. He separated it when it was full pool. It was it was moving very quickly and it was deep water. What are you trying to say? We're in deep water. But God's going to separate it and we're going to walk across on dry land. And that's my testimony today. Amen. God has preserved my life. Times that I should not be here. We're going to test, have our test, testimonies after I minister this word. And I want you to prepare your hearts. I'm not in a rush. The problem is we rush God and we cannot rush him. We try to put God on, an, on a 30-minute schedule and God doesn't work that way. And he'll show you who he is when you start putting a boundaries on him. But when we talk about testify, today my title, if I had a title, which I do, it's called, it's time to testify. Amen. Time to testify. Can you say it's time to testify? And in the biblical sense, when I say it's time to testify, it's this. It's time to remember God. It's remembering God and declaring his goodness. Declaring his good works. What has he done for you? You say, well, I can't even remember. Then you need to go back and work on your memory. Because God has preserved you. God has kept you safe. God has kept you alive. God has sent you jobs when you didn't have jobs. He answered you when you were in the midnight hour and you didn't think you could make it. Yet God came on the scene and brought you through. When I prayed for Brother Scott this week, I knew God was on the scene. Different ones that I prayed for on Facebook. I have no doubt that when I pray, God hears me. And it gives me a reason to testify. So it's about when I say it, 
about testifying is remembering God, declaring his goodness and declaring his mighty works. What has he done for me? What has he done for my family? What has he done for my community? What has he done for my city or my nation? And let me tell you, if we've ever needed to remember God and remember what he's done, it's right now when the world is going into a helter-skelter state. And if you don't think what's happening over in Russia isn't important, believe me when I tell you it's important. We need the Spirit of the Lord to arise. Because innocent people die. Innocent people die while men, power-hungry men, go after power. And I can tell you politicians want power. And they'll do whatever they have to do to get it. But then people like you and me will suffer because of their hunger and their desire. I say it's time to testify. It's time to talk about the goodness of the Lord now. So it's remembering God. Some say you have to have a test in order to have a testimony. Well, I would like to say, I would like to say in reference to that, In order to have a testimony, you must have an experience. You must have an experience. You must hear or see something. You say, well, I don't have a testimony. Then you don't have an experience. You've never heard. You've never seen anything. And I think it's time today for you to hear and see. As we have some testimonies here in a moment, you need to understand at the close of that, I'm going to pray for your miracle so you can have a testimony. If nothing else, you should be able to testify of how the Lord saved your soul. So we must experience. Why testify? Why do I have to testify? Let's lay this down. Because it guards against carnal weakness. Because the carnal mind will drive you away from God. But when you start to testify and you're reminded of the goodness of the Lord, it starts to weaken the carnal mind and the spiritual mind takes over. And it adds strength to you when you speak about what he's done for you. This sounds very simplistic. And it may be not, maybe not good copy. And maybe it won't look good on Google. But let me just tell you, I don't care anymore. God's going to have to move in our lives in such a way to where when we get up in the morning, we say, thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. Thank you, God, for saving my life. That's where we've gone wrong. The church has gone wrong. You said, no, the world's gone wrong. No, 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 no. The world is the world. It's the church that's not showing forth the power of God. It's the church that's not testifying of his goodness. You say, Bishop, why are you so loud? Because the older I get, the louder I need to be. Because we've got to get something accomplished. So, why testify? Because it guards against my carnal nature, my carnal weaknesses, and adds strength. It adds to me faith, and it adds relationship. Because the more I talk about him, the more he shows up. I'm going to show you that in a moment. The more I talk about Jesus Christ, Valerie, the more he shows up. And according to 1 Peter 2, 5, something we've read, I think, every service this month, And this has been a great series that we're lively stones. Who's a lively stone? Point to it. You are a lively stone. You are a living testimony. You're built up into a spiritual house. You are. You're built up into a holy priesthood. And to to do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices. What we do today and when you testify, you're offering up spiritual sacrifices. Oh, come and see what the Lord has done. Taste and see how good he is. 
I am mad at the enemy because the enemy has infiltrated the minds of God's people. And the reason he's had the ability to infiltrate Pat, Pat is because we've forgotten to testify of his goodness. Because the more you testify, the stronger you'll be. But he says that I'm a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, offering up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. But now listen to 1 Peter 2, 9. Why? He says you're a chosen generation. You are through Christ Jesus. You're in the generation of Christ. Say, I'm in the generation of Christ. Say it. Because that I'm a royal priesthood. I'm a holy nation. I'm a peculiar people that we should... Watch this. What are we doing today? That we should show forth the praises of him who has called us out of darkness into light. Show forth his praises. Where have we missed it? We're not showing forth his praise. What have we been called to do then? We've been called to reveal. Say reveal. We've been called to reveal God to the world by sharing our experiences with our creator. What has been our experience with God? I'm going to share that with the world. I'm not ashamed of God. I'm ashamed of me. Some of the things I've done in life. How many of you have done some things you're ashamed of? I can raise both my hands in one foot. But I'm never ashamed of what God has done. I'm proud of what God has done for my life. How he saved my soul. And my righteousness is not of Alan Meshagan nor of the East West Church. My righteousness is of Jesus Christ and his shed blood. And because of that I have a testimony so why testify now we're going to get to some a little bit of meat why testify this didn't come from a book other than the bible this came when the lord spoke to me early in the morning why testify he says in isaiah 51 verse 1 in the new in the niv isaiah 51 verse 1 listen to me watch this god speaking Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness are doing those things that are right and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock. Say that back with me. Look to the rock from which you were cut from and the quarry from which you were hewn. I'm going to have to read that again because this is important for you. This is the statement that you need to hear. Listen to me who pursue righteousness of doing those things that are right in God's sight and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock. Say that. Look to the rock from which you were cut. We were cut from a special rock. We were cut from a special stone. That's why he said you're a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Watch this. Cut from a, a, a special rock from which you were cut and the quarry from which you were hewn. And he said, don't forget it. Don't forget it. That's why you have to testify. Why testify? Here it is. Why testify? Because we're a chip off the old block. That's what the Lord said to me early, 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 early. I'm talking two or three o'clock in the morning. He said, you're a chip off the stone that the builders rejected. You're you, uh, the chief cornerstone. He said, you look a lot like me because you're a chip off the old block. People used to say when I'd go with my daddy, he'd say, boy, he's a chip off the old block. That means I'm a lot like my daddy. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm a lot like my heavenly father, Jesus Christ. You are a lot like God. You're a chip. Say, I'm a chip off the old block. Why God spoke to me that way, but boy, when he did, it shook me up. 
So he says, you're a chip off the old block. And he said, because you're a chip off the old block, follow the verse. He said, don't forget where you came from. Don't forget what I've done for you. Don't forget where I brought you out of and where I'm taking you. He said, never, never forget it. He said, matter of fact, you can't forget it because you're a chip off the old block. That don't sound real spiritual, but boy, it meant something to me. Around three o'clock in the morning, meant something to me. <sighs> look at the stone you came from. He says, look at me. Remember me. Look at the stone from which you came from and the place that he brought you from. He said, man, I wish he'd do more for me. Why should he do any more for us when we don't tell anybody about what he's already done? I told my wife yesterday we were driving somewhere. I said, I just want to thank God for what we have. I said, do you realize how good God's been to us? And I went down the line, boom, 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 boom. You said, why do you do that? There was no congregation there and you weren't taking an offering. It's because God was listening to me. People wonder why God listens to me when I pray because I talk to him when I'm not praying. Are you following me? I talk to him like I would you, that we're friends. I'm a friend to God and God's a friend to me. Jesus. Look at the stone you came from and the place he brought you from. Say it again. I'm a chip off the old block. Why are you going to be healed today? Why are you going to be blessed today? Because you're a chip off the old block. And there ain't no sickness in the block. There's no death in the block. There's no poverty in the block. Are you getting this now? Either we are a chip or we're not. God help me. Why testify? Why? The psalmist puts it this way. Psalms 20 verse 7. Listen, I'm getting back to my roots. I'm going to be, you're going to see here in the next few months, it's all going to be about evangelism for me. It's all going to be back on that evangelistic movement that I feel in my spirit. Because this church has to thrive. This church has to grow. Why? Because we're a living testimony and a living witness of what God has done. The reason we're sitting here today is because God showed me this property back in 1982. I drove up out front. He said, this is where you'll do it. Now, I don't know where he's going to take me past that. But I know he did say this is where you'll do this. And if that's true, then he's, it's, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changed. The only thing that's changed is the people. I mean, we come into church and I do my, catch myself doing it. Well, we're back in church again. Here we are. Hallelujah. There's old Natalie up there. Yeah. I don't like her hair. I don't like that shirt she's wearing. Whew. That music. Are you getting this? You need to get this because God's watching you. You say, well, I don't care about God. You need to hear me. God's concerned for you. Why? Because you're a chip off the old block. And he doesn't want his block to look like some of you look sometimes. Whoop, 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 whoop. I could drop the mic on that one. Right? Whoop. Logan, that's, that's, I just told you the truth. God said, I don't want you to look that way because you're a chip off the old block. And what people are going to see is what I look like. And that's not the way I want to be portrayed. I'm preaching better than you're responding. In Psalms 20, verse 7, the Bible says, and this is why we need to praise him, Floyd. 
She's going to be my first one up here today. Some trust in chariots. Some trust in chariots. Some in horses. But we, watch this, no matter what you trust in, I, tr I will remember the name of the Lord our God. I don't put my trust in chariots or in modern terms. I'm not going to trust in tanks and warring machines. I'm going to trust in the living God and I will remember him. If that's the last clap you would give before you die, would that be it? I love preaching the word because I know that when I preach the real, the truth, the devil spanks me. Always has. But let me just say this again so I don't want to offend anybody here today. So if I'm going to offend you, put your fingers back in your ears. The devil can go back to hell and leave me alone. And anybody that acts in the ministry of the devil, my, one of my brothers I talked to yesterday up in Washington, he said the problem we have in the church is their spirit, people in the house with the Luciferian spirit. Did y'all just catch that? The Luciferian spirit. That means we're more like Lucifer than we are the chip off the old block. You got to be careful. See, I'm preaching because this is what God's put planted in me. Exodus 13, verse 3. And Moses said unto the people. Don't get weary with me right here. Moses said unto the people. Remember this day. Remember this day in which you came out of from Egypt. And from the house of bondage. For by strength of the hand of the Lord. He brought you out of this place. There shall no leavened bread be eaten. He said, I want you to eat leavened bread. This is the way you're going to remember. Now watch. Jumping to Exodus 30, verse 1 through 6. And thou shalt make an altar. This is important. This is as important as chip off the old block. I've never heard anybody else preach just like this. I mentioned it yesterday to James Payne, and I said, we need to get together because I need to talk to you about this. He agreed with me. Rod Parsley told James Payne, said, there's no man preaching what you're preaching now on the planet Earth. James that that's the man that stood here and preached to us powerful man of God raised up from the dead he has got a testimony now watch this and thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon an altar to burn incense it's a sweet, sweet smelling savior going up to the Lord God which means our praises go up before the Lord God which is a sweet smelling savior now watch and you're going to make it of shittim wood shalt thou make it. He's telling them how to make it. I want you to hear this. A cubic shall be the length thereof, and a cubic the breadth thereof, and four squares shall be it, four-sided, and two cubics shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same. Now this is the altar of incense he's talking about. And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, the top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold around about it. Now watch, 
and two golden rings shalt thou make to, to it under the crown of it by the two corners thereof, where upon the two sides of it shall thou make it, and thou shalt, there shall be a place for the staves, place to carry it withal. The priest would carry it. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay it with pure gold. And thou shalt put, now here it is. And thou shalt put it before the veil. Does anybody remember the veil? What's behind the veil? In Moses' tabernacle. What's behind the veil? God himself, the holy of holies. Now watch. He says, thou shalt put it before the veil that is the ark of the testimony. The ark of the testimony. The ark of the testimony. Before the, watch. The ark of the testimony is before the mercy seat. And that is, over the te- that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Oh, my God. Are you hearing this? Where does he meet with you? The testimony. And over the testimony is the mercy seat. And God says, when you testify, he said, I'm going to show up and be with you. So today, God is in this house according to his word. That is power. I've never preached that before. And God showed me that when he said the ark of the testimony. He said before the mercy seat, which we all need, that is over the testimony where I will meet with you. Where's he going to meet with you, Floyd? Oh, my God. Jimmy, where's he going to meet with you? Mike, where's he going to meet with you? Call us where? It's where it's going to be. It's in the word. Either the word lied or the word is telling the truth. So I said, as I said to James Payne, I said, James, this is what God has said to me. He said, you're bringing me under conviction. I said, why am I bringing you under conviction? He said, because God spoke to me months ago. He said to get together a hundred of my best testimonies and publish them so people can see them of what God has done. Floyd told me, she said, you should get a book together. I don't know if a book could contain all the healings that's come out of this ministry. I'm telling you, when I tell you the miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle that's happened in this house. And I'm going to tell you, yeah, the miracles have slacked off. Say it, Christian. The people have slacked off. You got it. Because the same God is waiting for us to get before the veil with the testimony where the mercy seat is over it so that he'll show up. No preacher I've heard preach that. They may have, but I haven't heard it. We need to get before the veil. God. I want you to listen to John the Baptist. I'm almost getting ready here now. Get ready, everybody. This is a good word, isn't it? In Luke 3, verse 6, John the Baptist is talking. He's out there working. He's out there baptizing. And all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is what John the baptizer said. For many of you that were Baptists, this is your founding father. You good, you good Baptist people. You think you're the only ones that are going to be in heaven. Now watch this. I'm just teasing with you. And all, John the baptizer, I'm speaking from him's voice now. And all the flesh shall see the salvation of God. Then he said to the multitude that came forth to be baptized of him. 
Oh, generation of vipers. Why did he say that? Because he saw scribes and Pharisees standing there with him. What did he see? The legalistic people. Scribes and Pharisees. They were hypocrites. Watch what he said. Of course, they finally cut his head off. Or Sometimes when you're preaching the truth, you get your head cut off. But the glory is far greater than the head. I can lose my head, but my head will never be lost because my head is Jesus Christ. You get that in your mind. Then he said to the multitude that's baptized, oh, generation of vipers, who's warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves. He's talking right to them now. <clears throat> Quit saying with yourselves, we have Abraham to our father. We don't have to listen to you, John. We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you, he says, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. Now, let me tell you what he was talking about. And some theologians agree with this. He's baptizing in the river. Where did, the, where did they separate? Where was the water separated so they could go across to fight the battles and win the promised land? The Jordan. And do you remember what happened in the Jordan? They stacked up stones of remembrance, of testimony. And he's saying now, because in this time, he could actually vi visually see it. He said, God is able... Uh, uh, to raise up children from these stones. He wasn't just talking about pebbles under his feet. He's talking about the stones of testimony. That ought to turn y'all on. It's turning me on. Listen, I'm so happy right now I could just dance. I'm not going to. I'll let Christian do that for me in a minute. I'm going to try to skip something. Uh, let's go Psalm 78. Well, I'll just quick. Psalm 78, verse 1. Oh, give ear, O my people, to the law, and incline your ears to the word of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known, and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them. Watch. We will not hide them from their children, showing to the generation to come the praises of our Lord. While we lose in the church, we're not showing for the praises of our God to our children. Showing to the generation to come the praises of our Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he hath done. Testify. For he hath established a testimony in Jacob. Amen. He established a testimony in Jacob, which became Israel. And appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make known unto their children. There it goes again, that the generation to come might know them, even the children which should be born, who should arise and declare them to their children. Watch him. Children's 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 children. Why are we losing our children? People have quit talking. They've quit testifying, Natalie. They've quit testifying, Kaylee. Deborah, they've quit testifying. You say, well, people don't want to hear my testimony. So what? We should arise and declare them to our children. Verse 7, that they might set their hope. Why do we testify, Floyd? That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. I beg you today to hear this message. 
I beg you to hear it. If the Lord ever spoke to me about this testifying thing, he spoke to me clearly. That's why we're having celebration Sunday is because this is what's important. Get ready, Floyd. Uh, Mike, get, make sure my mic's ready for Sister Floyd. She's going to come and stand right here, down here, Floyd. It's not going to take a long time, but these are testimonies. And you're going to have to hear them. You're going to have to hear what God is saying. Because God brought you from there to here. And if he brought you from there to here, he can take you even further. See, I'm not excited about my past. You said, boy, I've, yeah, I've had my great days. I've walked out on stages with 20,000 people in front of me. I've had my great times. I've shouted and sang and praised God and had people scream and hollering. And I've had my great times. I've watched this church be filled three times on Sunday. I've watched it. So I've, I've had my great times. And you say, well, you need to relish in those great times. Oh, no, you've made a mistake. Because my past is nowhere going to be able to touch, Deb, my future. Because my future is far brighter than my past. It's just a shadow of things to come. Come on up here, Floyd. Bring the mic, Mike. I'm going to introduce Sister Floyd here because Sister Floyd has a testimony. She heard my words today. Go ahead, sis. Knock them out. Is it on? <laughs> yep. But I'm going to ask everyone that does this with me to speak loudly. I'm going to try to get these lights out of my It's a... Oh, praise God. He's just made me excited. I'm excited. God has blessed me so tremendously. I can't, I can't really. Come on, Floyd. You. The words aren't there, but I'm going to try. <laughs> I'm here to glorify God. Are Come you? on. <laughs> glorify God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Before I knew that I was sick with cancer, that God, the doctor said I had cancer, uh, God gave me a verse. It was Psalms 103, 1 through 5, and I'm not going to quote it, but that's what God gave me. Then when I found out I had cancer, the doctor said I did. Um, <laughs> well, I'm not going to claim it. That's one of the things I didn't do. <laughs> I said what I wanted, not what I had. I wanted to be healed. So <laughs> God gave me, I am giving you more life. The day I found out that the doctor said that I had cancers, he gave me those words. Yes! He gave me those words. I am giving you more life. The great I am. Well, that was about in March 4th. And then April 4th was Good Friday. Bishop prayed for me. And he kept coming to me. Floyd, you're healed. And I kept saying, I'm healed. I'm healed. But it didn't happen immediately. It didn't happen immediately. That's right. Because God needed me to go through a process. My faith was not in the place to be able to accept that healing at the time. Yeah. So what did I do? God really led me to do this. I began uh, saying out loud, and that's important, saying it out loud verses uh, every night, healing verses. During the day, several days a week, I worshiped God. And I walked around the house and danced around the house, praising and singing with God. The CDs were playing, and, and who I was, was watching worshiping you? God. Who was watching you? God. Okay, thank you. Because <laughs> Randy was at work. <laughs> <laughs> and I still do that occasionally. When he goes off to do something, I'll turn on that CD and just have me a good time with God anyway. <laughs> Another thing I did is I studied Christian books on healing, seven of them. 
I studied and I thought about them and I meditated on it. And you know, one time I was at a Christian bookstore and this man behind me in line said, lady, you've got the healing uh, anointing all over you. And I know why, because I spent so much time with God studying and, and knowing about the healing scriptures. Okay. Now this tells you to do it in Proverbs 4, 20 through about 28. It tells you to put the Word of God in your heart, in your eyes, in your ears, and let it come out of your mouth. And that's what you're talking about. Exactly. Yes. Okay. Then. Jesus. That was during the summer of 2015. I had a turning point. And my turning point of really saying, hey, I'm going to be healed. I, I know that I'm healed is... Um, the verse, Galatians 3.13, it says, <laughs> okay, I'll tell you in a minute. <laughs> it's, not, it's not coming to my mind. Pastor Kenny, you should have brought that up. <laughs> Get it for her, Galatians 3.13. I, I know it. I know it by heart. I can say it. Yeah, you like started. I can finish it. I can tell you. Um, Christ redeemed me from the curse of the law. <laughs> That's another time I walked around the house and I kept saying that to myself. Jesus has redeemed me from the curse of the law. The curse of the law is in Deuteronomy 28. It's in Deuteronomy 28, uh, verses 15 through 68. And 63 says, any other disease that's not mentioned here is in the curse of the law. How about that? <laughs> any disease. Because cancer wasn't even known about back then. All right, then. Let's see. The next thing I want to say, I, what I did while I was studying and praying and worshiping God and saying the verses out loud to myself, I was putting that word of God in my ears. I was looking at it and I was putting it in my ears. I was building my faith. God was building my faith and building my faith and building my faith because that cancer came back again. Just in one place. To begin with, I had um, stage four, I'm going to say it right, Randy, stage four mantle cell lymphoma. It was in four places of my body, and Jesus. one of them was in my um, bone marrow. It came back again, so we decided that we would do a stem cell transplant. And I want to say uh, something about that is that uh, I got stem cells from my son, and they gave him shots so that his stem cells will increase. They expected him to have about 7,000 per unit of whatever it was, but he had 27,000. <laughs> wow. You know, God was really blessing this whole situation. Um, let me think what I want to say next. Okay. During that time when I was doing the stem cell transplant, I had to do a whole bunch of chemos and all of that mess. And, what they were trying to do is kill everything in my body. And then I got the stem cells and it had to replenish. I, my body had to build it back up. So they said I had to be out of the public for a year. But praise God, I only had to do it six months. <laughs> the doctor said that I was going to uh, have to see him for five years. I saw him for three. <laughs> 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 Ooh, praise God. And, 
I want to say I'm so excited about the fact that God not only healed me, but he increased my faith so much. I trusted him so much more. I've learned so much more. He's given me wisdom, knowledge, and understanding I didn't have. He has blessed me so tremendously. And this man, Bishop, said, you're healed, Floyd. He didn't, you probably didn't even know all the other things God was going to do for me. But he did, he did, and I'm so thankful. And I glorify God today because of that. And I've been healed for five years and five months. Praise God, hallelujah. Hey, come on, somebody give God a praise. Deborah. Oh, come on now, somebody give God a praise. Hallelujah. This is Deborah Perry. Hey, um, what I did is I actually wrote mine down because I didn't want to get nervous and forget what I was going to say. So if I can get you to hold the mic for me. <clears throat> okay. God has bestowed more than one miracle upon me using our bishop. Go ahead. As his vessel. When I was 27, I was plagued and disabled with the demon of dystonia which is a rare nerve and muscle disease. It's a cousin to Parkinson's. The type that I had was spasmodic torticollis, which constantly pulled and twisted my neck, causing severe and chronic pain, along with drastic weight loss. People would literally stop and gawk because I looked like such a freak of nature. God, thank God I was blessed when Botox entered the picture and I could resume a somewhat normal life. One Sunday morning, Bishop, almost one Sunday morning, almost 20 years ago, Bishop said if anyone needed special prayer to come down to the altar with hands raised and tears streaming down my face, when Bishop anointed my forehead, the power of God shot through me like a bolt of lightning. God instantly and miraculously healed me, and for the first time in 17 years, my body was finally found peace. I was honest with Social Security, and they discontinued my disability. I struggled with very low-paying jobs because after 17 years, I couldn't get my foot back into the corporate world. Eventually, I lost my home, and I had to relocate, and that is why I was gone from our church for so many years. Several months after relocating, God helped me obtain an office position. After about 18 months, my health began to deteriorate. By the time I had to leave work, I had lost 71 pounds and could barely get out of bed. Every morning, I would wake up in a panic to the realization that I had no job, no income, no insurance, and no way to replace my 20-year-old car. <clears throat> my initial thought was if I could get out from under the extreme stress I was in, my health would improve, but it only worsened. I had no choice but to reapply for Social Security, and when they denied me, it was then that I sunk into a depression. Not only had I lost my health once again, I lost my freedom, my independence, my home, my ability to walk, and I became totally dependent on someone else. It was then I lost my hope. It was almost more than I could bear. And I've never been one to feel sorry for myself, 
But when it got to where I could barely move any part of my body, I truly didn't think I could survive. I told God, I'm tired, I'm weary, I've had enough, and I proceeded to beg God to just take me home. As the depression worsened, the devil knew the the mental and emotional pain was far worse for me than the severe physical pain. He proceeded to take me to the abyss of hell that, trust me, no one wants to go to. I sunk so low that I understood how my mama could take her own life. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> then someone said something so vile and nasty to me that it literally slapped me back into reality. What the devil thought would push me over the edge actually put a fire back in my belly and I began to fight. I fought tooth and nail for my life and for my very sanity. I knew I needed reinforcements who could touch the throne room of heaven. I asked Bishop, Pastor Janet, and Pastor Haroline for prayer. Bishop sent me an anointed prayer cloth, and we all began to pray. When I heard that Bishop was having a Wednesday night healing service, I knew in my spirit that it was imperative that I had to be there. When God pierced my heart through Bishop's black Armenian eyes, I knew my miracle would happen. Even though it wasn't instantaneous, God had Bishop to keep encouraging me and telling me that I could walk. I praise God for giving me the courage to believe I could walk. He taught me how to face my fear. He gave me the faith and the strength to take that first step, and he continues to walk with me through my pain. My prayer is that we never relinquish our hope, that we survive our struggles, and we are able to turn our scars into stars. As Bishop so eloquently put it, let my pain be your gain. And just remember, we are all appointed and anointed for such a time as this. Amen. Amen. God bless you. She, uh, on that Wednesday night, she came into the Family Life Center. It's where I was having the healing service. And she was in a wheelchair. And that night, I got her out of that wheelchair. Now, there was a process she had to go through. But by the next Sunday or so, she came back in. We prayed. And she's been walking ever since. That's God. Janet DaCosta, come on up here real quickly. These are people that notified me. Y'all don't mind this, do you? This is what I preached about today. Yeah, could you stand right here, Janet, right here in the middle? My son's trying to get some pictures. And make sure you talk loud, Janice, because I know you're soft. <laughs> I'll try. I just want to read this right quick. These thoughts came to me. Hold this it for Am I on the mic? Okay. I want to read this right quick. These thoughts came to me this morning. Go ahead. Jesus, Jesus loves us. This I know, for the Bible tells us so. Jesus loves us unconditionally, completely, and eternally. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. And I can, and I testify that that is absolute truth. It's been truth in my life. He, I was raised by Christian parents and um, was saved as a child. And when I got grown, I walked the other way. And he, he, he was faithful. He was there with me when I didn't even know he was still there. 
through a series of major wrong decisions, I wound up with a with a alcohol problem, a major alcohol problem. And long story, and everything that goes with that, which you can use your imagination. Anyway, he didn't leave me. He still loved me, and he still loves me today. And he, um, he let me get just about as far as deep as I wanted to get in the mud, and then he reached down his hand for me, and he brought me back, and he placed me at this church um, after, I after a while. I, he placed me at this church in 1987. Mm. Um, I, the first time I was in this church, Bishop, was at Rhonda Groover's funeral. So, um, whose funeral? Rhonda Groover, the teenager, the oh. teenage, um, the blonde. Yeah, little blonde. yeah, the pretty That's the one blonde. I was telling you about. Yes, yeah, yeah the one six, you were talking about. She was 16 years old and had a car wreck. And uh, the week before I prayed for her, standing right over here in the aisle, te her tears came into my hand. Beautiful yes. girl. Oh, yes, and yes. just her Vibrant. tears would fall in my head, and I warned her of some things. Yeah. I whispered to her some things. And that next week, she, rebellious. Yes. And she got killed in a car wreck. And yeah. now I know she's with Jesus. Oh, yes. But oh, look yeah. here, she came because that funeral was one of the largest funerals I've ever had. Packed. It was Packed. huge. And that's the first time that I had ever felt the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what I was feeling, but it was total peace. And I was raised in not a Baptist church, but it was like a Baptist church. You what know? was that? <laughs> it really was. It was non-denominational. But it was so like they, Baptist. It, it, yeah. Salvation, and you had to do this, and you couldn't do that, and you better not wear lipstick, and that kind of thing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway... Um, Oh, that's that part of it. He pulled me out of that and totally changed my life, totally just turned me around and gave me his peace and set my feet on a higher ground. Anyway, that's the deliverance part of my testimony. <laughs> and I also have a healing like Floyd. I, I was diagnosed with non non stage four non-Hodgkin's lymphoma back in May of 2007. And... Um, I, I like Floyd, sort of. I mean, I didn't have nearly the problem with it. Let me hush. <laughs> um, I had also had to go through chemotherapy and one thing and another. But the prayers of this bishop and this church brought me through that. I had his peace the whole time, and it's been almost it'd be 15 years this May since I was diagnosed, and here I am. Praise God. Thank you, Let's give her a big hand. Now, come on. God bless you. Uh, God is so good. I really believe it. he is. Um, I just want to make sure I touch base. Christian, do you want to say something? No, you can't. You can. You will. Come on. You didn't know he's a preacher, did you, Damon? <laughs> good morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Christian Daniel, with those of you who don't know, but uh, I'm an addict from... A recovering addict. I've been on everything under the sun. I've snorted enough stuff to keep us all up. So uh, <laughs> uh, it's just uh, there was a time in my life when I uh, sat on the bed one day and uh, well, 1998 I come in this church and the bishop called me out of 500 people and said, "Come here, son." He said, "I know what you're going through, so I'm fixing to fix you." Well, he did, and I backslid, and then 2000 and uh, six, my mother died. My brother called me about 1.30 in the morning. 
and told us that our mom was gone. So, uh, and I looked at God and I said, God, I'll sit on a trampoline in the backyard. And I said, God, if you don't do something for me, I'm going to either go to prison or die myself. And, uh, he stepped in my life and the bishop got me right again and changed my whole world. Uh, I worked for a great man, Collis Bobby and Mama Pat's Bobby. They let me call her my mom and, uh, you know, they give me opportunity to go to work there and, uh, you know, and she allows me to call mom. And that's a big thing for me because I was a mama's boy. And uh, so, uh, but now I'm vice president of his company. I've changed my life. He lets me run a multi-million dollar company. And if it wasn't for God stepping in my life, changing, changing my outlook on everything and the way I see things, you know, I had a son. I didn't want him to grow up and see his dad looking like, you know, just a piece of trash. So I give God the glory every day. And every day I come in here, I thank the bishop for standing with me, God standing with me. Pastor Mike knows, Pastor Kenny knows, you know, all these men stood with me to keep me where I'm at. And that's why I love the East West Church and this family. And I thank you also for all the prayers from my doodle bug. She goes Tuesday. To, we're going to try to get her out of this cast. But, uh, and that was major surgery. That was a major surgery. They cut her leg in two. They cut her all the way around her side and put her hip back into her body, lengthened her leg. So, uh, you know, God has done amazing things for me in this church, and I and I just want to give Him the glory and praise because I love you, Jesus. Amen. I love you, buddy. I mean that. Betty, come on up here real quick. You knew I was going to call you, didn't you? I, I'm taking the luxury of calling some people today just because I like, I like their testimony. Okay. I didn't really know I was going to be doing this. Well, no, you didn't know it. I just called you. <laughs> Go ahead. But anyway, um, back in 2011, I got diagnosed with tonsil cancer. And I prayed and prayed, couldn't get peace. The Lord said, come to this church. And the bishop got up there and preached and I told John Schumacher I didn't know John at the time but I said I need to meet that man and um, he said just go down there take a left last door on the right I said okay <laughs> so I met this man and I said God who who would you who is this good for you to send me to um, a man of God that a time like this because it was only God could send me to a place I didn't know where I was going and was such a big problem. Mm -hmm. And probably Bishop looked at me and thought, oh, another one of these. But no, he didn't. He, he looked at me and he said, you've come to the right place. And that just so good in my spirit. But oh, since, you know, since that time, um, I sit here and for a month didn't know my percentage was running down. The doctors would call me and say, you know, my, my Talk about my life, my, my percent of life is going down. So anyway, I kept on saying, you know, it's just not time. I would come to church. Bishop would sing, I believe you're my healer. So every time, I believe God had him sing it every Sunday for me. Um, if it was no, for nobody else, it was for me. And I would sit there and I would cry. My faith kept on building and building. And one day Bishop said, if you don't step out in faith, how are you going to ever know what you can do in 
faith. And that day, I said, Lord, I'll do something this week. This week, I will make a decision. Um, I'll do what I need to do because, you know, I, I was literally dying. So anyway, that's that week. God turned things around. He made things that I was waiting for in July. He made them happen June the 20th. So he turned everything around. But I had to get there myself. I had to get there in my faith, listen to this man, and um, tell you know, let me grow up and get my strength and my faith and, and believe that God's going to be there with me. If, if, if I didn't make it, I'm still okay. I, I was okay with God. I, I found peace. Peace that I couldn't couldn't, I, I can't even imagine that kind of peace. But anyway, during all my treatments, after that, God gave me scriptures every day. Every day I'd have to lay for this treatment for like 30 minutes and talk about how good God's word is. That word give me the strength. Every, and the people at the, at, I was a big witness to the people there because they'd tell me, they'd say, you know, I've seen people in your condition back here in two years, but I don't think we're going to see you no more back. And I just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. But he, he's been good to me. He, God has touched my family since I've been here. He's touched both my boys, my husband. And you all have seen a big change in him, I know. He, I mean, he, from the time I started coming to now, I mean, God has just been wonderful. And um, I just thank him. Thank him for this church. Thank you all for your prayers. And thank Bishop for being a man of God. And, and he gets in line with God and knows what what we need. But I'm thankful for that. Thank I, you. I'm just thankful. I'm thankful to be here today. Amen. Can you give the Lord a praise? Man. Oh, man. Damon, come on. Hey, brother, I just feel it. Have you got something to say, too? Do you? Okay. Right there in the center so you can get a good... I can't let my brother outdo me. <laughs> just kidding. I'm so proud of him. I mean, that just, you don't know how much joy that brings to me. I've been coming to this church now for about 24 years, approximately. And one day, our family was gathered uh, during, before the church started, and we were just talking about uh, tithing at that time. I understood tithing, didn't really participate at that time, uh, was a giver, but not a tither. And the question that arose in that conversation was, do you tithe on the gross or do you tithe on the net? And I didn't know the answer to that. Um, so I don't know if Pastor Mike will remember this, but I went to him and asked, and he gave me, don't know the verse exactly, but basically the quote was, give Caesar what is his and give God what is his. Um, so that means to tithe on the gross is the, uh, the way I took that. So from that time, I've always tithed, uh, have never missed a Sunday in tithing, the, uh, at least 10% of my gross income. Um, I worked in the uh, finance industry, um, was doing uh, very well, and the economy crashed, recessions. I lost over 75% uh, of my income. And you know, when you are doing well, you still have bills that are paid off for doing well, not mm -hmm. off 75% less. And um, never missed a tide during that period. It dropped drastically, but it was at least 10% of what I was making at that time. I worked before that in the uh, consulting arena. Um, when the crash 
I was in the finance and mortgages. Uh, our company went out of business. I picked up the phone, called a couple of guys that I knew that I've been out of this business for 10 years. And this is where God really stepped in. Um, both of them got me an interview with two separate companies. I had a minimum amount of money I needed to make, told them what I wanted to make, and they came back on that same exact day and offered me 43% more than what I asked for. Whoa, um, So that's what's substantial. That's powerful. One was offering a, a sign-on bonus. The other one was not. I wanted the, the job where the company was not offering it. The HR person, when she made the offer, she says, this is the most that we're going to give you. Don't come back and ask for anything more. Well, God was on my side. I went back and said, this company's offering me a sign-on bonus. I need you to match it. They did. <laughs> so, um, I mean, that was a miracle because the amount of money I asked for would not have uh, sustained our family. So um, I needed that extra. God knew it. Um, today, I'm with that same company. Uh, today, I lead our southeast region of the United States for the division that I'm in. I'm the uh, leader of a uh, major um, portion of our business, and, you know, it's a lot of hard work. God has given me the uh, talent, the ability, the desire, the, um, <coughs> the uh, whatever, um, the ability to, to do the hard work, right. um, but he has always put me in that place, so I'm, you know, very thankful um, for that. And, you know, was just told our bonuses, it's going to be the highest bonus I've ever made in my life. So I'm just good. Just, I'm uh, glad to hear that. <laughs> I <know you> are. <laughs> just a true blessing. Um, so I give God all the praise and honor uh, for providing. So I'm a true believer in giving. Um, Bishop's one of the, he preached on tithing a few different times since I've been in, in church. And one of the verses that has stuck with me that I say every time I give, it's give and it shall be given to you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over that men should give in your bosom. So right. if you're doing what you're supposed to do in covenant, and I still have, I mean, this is probably, I don't know, 15 years ago, I have the uh, covenant coin that the bishop was giving out, keep it on me every day. Um, yeah, he's just blessed me and I'm thankful. But I will say my family's going through a trial and I need your prayer for that. <laughs> just, just pray for us, please. Love you, buddy. I do love you. Hallelujah. See this, you'll never find another church on Sunday morning doing this. You just won't. Come up here, brother. I always, he always comes through the prayer line. He's always so well-dressed. He looks like a preacher. Come on over here. Tell everybody who you are so they know how this handsome man here. Uh, I'm Bro Vincent Anyangu. Uh, I want to testify that God has been so good. Yep. And when the bishop said, do you have anything to say? I said, every Christian has a testimony. Right. And mine is so that I, I was born in Nigeria, mm -hmm. and one day I became a Christian in 1988. Okay. So I used to party a lot when I was in college. So one night, we were supposed to have party that night, and one man of God came and said that God don't want you to go to party. He wants you to be in the church. And at 12 midnight, I went to the church and became a Christian, oh. 1988, I can't forget it, since that time till now. God has been so good, 
and God answers prayers. There are a lot of things I've asked God, he has done it. But when I came to this church, I came to United States in 2001. And I moved into Meriera in 2005. Since that day, I've been worshiping in this church. That's and right. I've never left. You haven't? So, and I know when the, uh, when our granddad, the pastor, and I used to see him here on Wednesdays, yeah. preaching and whatever. But what I want to say, the bishop is a man of God and is in tune with God. I testify of that. He's in tune with God. There was something that was happening on my body. I told I had a local pastor in Nigeria. I told him I had I built a, a nice house in Nigeria. So when they see, they say, how did he do this? He said he's a, a Christian. But how could he have built this job? But I know, I said the secret is tithing and offering. Since 1988, I became a Christian. I have never owed God a dime. Ah. I paid my tithe, I paid my offering. So I told them that is the secret. But when I came back after building the house, I had ashes all over my body. I went to see this doctor, he said his staff. I went to see, the, they said a lot of things. I went to a particular doctor up to five or six times. He became angry. He said, don't come to me again. So when I went back, I said, God, if you cannot heal sickness, why are you God? He said, I will not allow all these diseases that afflicted the Egyptians to afflict you because you are the God that healed me. So that night, that day, uh, that happened on Saturday night. Then on Sunday, I came to church. Bishop said, if you have any sickness in your body, line up. And I lined up. I said something. He said, do you have it now? I said, yes. He said, it's going to that belief. When Bishop prayed for me, I never saw it again. When I went home, that was it. Ah. I never saw it again up to today. Praise the living God. Praise the living God. Amen. Praise the living Praise God. Praise the living God. So what I want to say that God is a good God. All the time. Uh, there are a lot of things. Every, we are in this world, but we are not of the world. That's right. God solves problems, and I know God answers prayers. I have two sons. I have been in the United States. My wife is in Nigeria. You're going to join me very soon. Uh, God is good, Bishop. Oh, yes. And what I want to say that uh, last December or last two December, as I went home, my mom was sick. And uh, she said she wanted to die. I said, you are not dying. And we prayed for her. And I said, God told uh, in the Bible, somebody wanted to die. God said, well, how many years do you want? And God added 15 more years to that man's life because he believed and uh, my mom nearly did. she was not going to she was not pooping she was not weeping for one week in the hospital but i said mom you are not going to die and i say when you want to know i'm not a pastor but i'm a child of god that's right i say we are going to pray for you and you are going to live we pray for my mom and she's living up to now praise the living god and i want to say uh you are not making a mistake by worshiping god and coming to this church I know a lot of people are brought to this church. Some of them have left. But I want to say, I'm going to live and die in this church. Praise the living God. Amen. Because God is here and the Holy Spirit is here. Praise the living God. Amen. Love you, brother. God bless you. God bless you.
Hallelujah. See, you never know unless you heard it, huh? Praise the Lord. Good morning. I said, if you don't call me, I'm coming anyway. Okay. <laughs> well, I have a testimony, and I want to start with um, 2010. In 2010, um, it was uh, New Year's Eve night, and my family and I, we were at home because we usually would come to the church, and then, I don't think there was anything going on that year. And uh, my mother lives in Ohio, so she uh, called me just before she went to her service. And she said, you know, um, and she was going and, you know, wish me Happy New Year before it came. And you said, I'll call you when the New Year comes in. So she went on to her church, and we were sitting there, you know, watched the ball come down and praising the Lord and worshiping and everything. And uh, the phone rings, and it's my sister-in-law. And she says that my mother collapsed at church. And... And I'm like, what do you, what happened? I just talked to her 45 minutes ago. She said, your mom collapsed and she was not breathing when uh -huh. they left. Uh, so they got her to the hospital. It took well over an hour because the paramedics came. And when they came, their attitude was they were just picking up a body. They weren't trying to resuscitate or do anything. But thank God the pastor's wife was a nurse and had been a nurse for several, like over 30 years. And she even told me, she said, your mother was dead. She said, I know dead. She was gray. There was a red foam coming out of her mouth. She was gone. Yeah. Um, she said, uh, so she rolled with them to the hospital. She said, when we got there, they took her one way, took me another, and they started working on her. And she said, finally, your mom came back. Now, this was over an hour. It's documented. She was dead, but... Uh, God brought her back, and it was such a miracle for me because, I mean, I never experienced anything like that in, in my family. You know, we were just all praying and, and seeking God for, you know, her, her healing, and at the time, I was just thinking, well, just get her breathing, you know, we'll, we'll figure out the rest. I just wanted her to breathe, you know. So, um, a couple of days later, I managed to get to Ohio, where she lives, and as soon as I got next to her bed, well, we didn't realize she was blind because from the deprivation of oxygen, she couldn't see. Well, she can see now mostly, but, you know, yeah. she can see, thank God. Yeah. Um, but anyway, she's alive. Um, so when I got to her bed, the very first thing she said to me, and she heard my voice, so she couldn't see me, but she heard my voice. And she said, Devana? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, I was in heaven. Well. She told me who she saw. She told me as much as she could, and, and she was like, I really didn't realize where I was at first. She said I was just looking around, and she saw her, her best friends who had passed recently, oh. her, her godmother, and she said the thing that really um, spoke to my heart was she said her godmother had on this beautiful robe, white shining robe, and she said her, her, her godmother always liked flowers, and she liked orchids. She said there were purple orchids in her gown, mm. and they were moving. She said they were alive. They were alive. They were yeah. living, yes. Um, so we are still so grateful for that, and she's doing very well now. Um, so let's go to 2019. As um, most of you all have heard already, uh, Bishop mentioned my husband, Joe, was diagnosed with colon cancer. Um, just happened to... Uh, go and get, um, you know, colonoscopy at about 54 years old um, and came back and they were like, we, you know, see these tumors and they don't look good. They look like cancer. Yeah. They showed us the pictures and they did look, I don't, 
it, it looked ugly. It was not, you know, the blessing was that they were just pretty much within the tumor and it hadn't spread, you know, or anything. But um, I don't know, God put on our heart to just do things a little bit different. And I remember saying this prayer and I asked God for one specific thing, if he wanted uh, us to do to make it known. And within seconds, it came, the answer. That's what we uh, started on and uh, eight months later, cancer free completely. There was no, um, yeah, there was no, um, no chemo, no radiation or anything. And I can remember when we went to the doctor after they had did the biopsy and they were giving us the results, uh, the doctors you know, said, well, yes, there is cancer, blah, 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 whatever. And my husband looked at her and he said, all right, doc, but I'm healed. I just want you to know that. Yeah. <laughs> and then that, that uh, yeah, I mean, it's something important to me that I'm learning to speak immediately against the negative. Don't even give it a chance to fester. Don't do it. So, um, like I said, he's doing well. So last month, uh, January, um, we had, well, we had went to uh, see our son who lives in another state, used to attend church here. And um, on the, as we got home, you know, I started feeling not so good and uh, coughing and just going through all of this stuff. And, and, but the thing was, I had previously would do this when the seasons changed. I didn't think anything ever, just cough, 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 cough. And eventually, you know, it would clear. But then I started not being able to sleep at night, which was rare. I love to sleep. I mean, get a nap anytime I can, you know. Um, and then I, my heart was racing. It was palpitating. And I was, like, almost in pain. And I was like, something is not right, you know. So I remember going through it like a week and a half. And I told my husband, I said, um, I'm going to call the doctor. It was like a Friday. So I'm going to call my doctor on Monday. And I said, I know I won't be able to see them till Wednesday, so maybe in a week from now I can get in and see them, but I need to have my blood checked. Something's not right. And he was like, okay, well, just let me know what you want to do. So I um, went to sleep that night, again woke up with this beating, palpitating in my chest, and, and I sat up, because I slept in the living room. I couldn't even really lay flat. I just wanted to sit up. And... The Lord spoke to me. Let me tell you something, guys. I have heard more from the Lord in the last two months. I think I've, I've, I've listened more. That's the answer. <laughs> He's been talking, but I've, I've been listening better, right? So God spoke to me. He said, get up. And it was Saturday morning. He said, get dressed. Put, up, put your clothes on. Get ready. He said, take a, I want you to take a bag. And he said, put this in there. Put, take it. And when your husband wakes up, because on Saturday, he likes to get up early to go get haircuts and come back home. He said, when he gets up, I want you to tell him to drop you off at the hospital. Um, and you need to go, you know, you need to go. So, and, oh, and oh, I must say, too, a week prior to that, for the same reasons, I went to another hospital. And they kind of, you know, dismissed me. It was like I sat in this room for hours. Nobody came in. It was no answers and, and finally just discharged. But they did tell me, well, you have uh, COVID pneumonia. 
and I'm, I didn't really feel like I had pneumonia because, like I said, I thought I had this cough. Um, but then after that week, so it was a week between that day and the next day when God told me to go back. That's what it was. He told me to go back, but to another this hospital near here. And so I, when I got in there and I started telling them what I was feeling again, th these people were like, um, well, we're going to just test you. We're just going to do everything. And I was so glad they did because I had a blood clot in my leg. And then when they came back and they said, well, we can treat you for this uh, at home. We'll give you medication. And then the doctor thought about it. He said, no, let's do another test, a CT scan, because we'll make sure it hadn't moved. It's not in your lungs. They took that test, and it was one in my lungs. Oh, man. And so, and it's like, I was in there by myself because you can't take anybody with you now. Um, and it's like, every time they came back, they were telling me something else, you know. And then now, we see something somewhere else. We're going to do another test. Then they come back, and they said, we see something, some here. And, we, we, and immediately, I looked at him. I said, just like my husband, I said, but I'm healed. Thank you. I accept that you, you know, are a doctor and you're telling me, I said, but I'm going to claim my healing. Right. He didn't say anything, but, you know. So anyway, um, the, the, the final test I did was the uh, MRI. I don't know if anyone's ever had one of those, but you don't want it if yep. you've never me. had it. Oh, my God. And then they, they literally strap you down onto a narrow bed. And they roll you into a tube size of a, I don't know. I could fill that thing on every side. <laughs> <laughs> and I was in that thing, and I was just, um, I could feel, but you know, the thing is, I had uh, text uh, Sister Kathy, and I had told her, you know, that I was there at the hospital, what was going on. But I, I could feel the presence of God. It's like I could feel every prayer. This thing went on for over an hour. I probably, and they give you a little button. I wanted to push that button so bad. And then like the peace of God came over me and I was, I guess I was dozing off. It was, it was like time passed and nothing, you know, uh, was bothering me. I was so at peace. And so I came out and I got through and then, they, you know, they admitted me. Um, and I did, you know, the, the three or four days in there and uh, I came home and I've you know, been recovering with the pneumonia and the, the taking, oh, and I had to take, you know, blood thinners and all that kind of stuff. And so, Bishop, I will say, I'm here this morning. I've been recovering, but God told me to come this morning because he was like, I'm healing you, but I want you to complete this healing. I want you to go to church. I didn't know you were doing this. I didn't know there was going to be a testimony. Mm -hmm. All I know is God told me to come. I had to come by myself, but I came. And he said, allow Bishop to pray if there's if he offers prayer go up and get it get anointed yeah so that's the part that uh i'm you know one of the reasons i'm here but i wanted to just be here because i hadn't been able to come before, mm -hmm. since you know before christmas but i do want to encourage people that when you're going through sickness or you're going through whatever it is that you're dealing with listen i got a place to a place where i don't think i've ever been to and God, i have learned to recognize his voice when he talks to me, when I got home after the test, God told me some other things that he wanted me to stop doing, be watchful of. And I must say, there is things in your environment that will affect your health. And God opened my eyes today. He said, pay attention. Things, radiation. These, all of these things we don't see, so we don't think about them. But God pointed them out to me. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so true. So I started making changes to, you know, things I had around my body, things I put in my body. Um, I take blood pressure medicine, but God been talking to me about um, working on my health, doing the things that I should do, and then he'll do what he will do. Right. So I yeah. want to encourage you to, when you get to that point, like my sister said here, and saturate yourself with God's word. Listen to it. Eat it. Drink it. Take it in your spirit. Your by osmosis, if you have to get it, get it in you because that's your lifeline. That is your lifeline. God will talk to you. He will speak to your heart, and in all of that, He's healing you. Every day is a healing. And another thing I started doing, Bishop, was having my own uh, communion. Yeah. And I was getting up. The Lord put down. I mean, take communion. Because what it is, is a constant reminder of what God is doing for you. So, and I'm going to tell you this, too. I had to chuckle because I, I would get up and I'd do other things, and then I'd go and take communion, hit and miss here and there. So one day I was standing at the counter, and I was doing something else. And I said, okay, well, let me take, I was taking something else I wanted to take. And then I said, well, let me just take my communion. And it was like Jesus was right here. He said, put me first. And it shocked me. And I'm like, what? And I had to laugh. I said, oh, you are so right. I'm so sorry. So when I get up now, my routine is to go in that kitchen. I take my communion. I honor God. I thank him for everything. I thank him for my healing. I said, Lord, I even thank you for the hospitalization because it revealed things that I didn't know. So everything that you go through is not necessarily a bad thing. It's to reveal something for you to pray about, something for you to, to let God, you know, release to God. So I take my communion, and then I do anything else. God is first.